Recruiting to Stillwater, Oklahoma is a little bit different. Brett Yormark knows this as he takes his bow that he has earned and deserved. What Oklahoma State coach could be in and up taking the biggest bow of all at the end of the season with a Big 12 title bow on top? You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You know we're available on every single podcasting platform, as well as visually on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter, at State. The X factor is always what ends up putting your team over top, Right? And when we've been discussing the positions and some of the unforeseen things like the depth at linebacker and realistically, even the depth at the cornerback position as well, some of the emergence of some of the guys on the, the uh, defensive line, like a Justin Kirkland comes in from Utah tech knew he was a big dude that could move mountains, but we didn't know precisely what we had. We also have him for at least two more years. These things definitely matter. We know that the quarterback situation is legitimate, regardless of what some people want to believe or not, which is a good position to be in. We also know that the running back room is pretty loaded. It would have been nice if DeAndre Jackson would have not tripped into an injury bug pretty early on, but it does happen. It's also allowed the emergence of a couple walk-ons, as well as the freshman, Sessi, to get some love at the running back position. We're going to talk more about that with Tatum Bell this weekend, this Sunday specifically. So we'll stick to the the X-Factor style of positions. And I'm going to leave this open to some interpretation because sometimes the best-kept secrets need to be on full display before the secret is out. And I think that is going to be the same conversation that is had about Garrett Rangel. A lot of people are taking the, well, I'm going to wait and see approach, which is okay. Right after last year, I completely get it. But as much as I want to talk about, you know, there was a lot of things that jumped on to the injury bug last year that that caused the derailment of the season. At the same time, I also see some of the the positives in what Garrett Rangel was able to do, right? His platform got a little funky. If he had over three and a half seconds, he completed passes and he did them very well. His base was good. His opposite even up top was good. His release was pretty good. He was able to lead receivers pretty good. He could go through his progressions. But when he had under three seconds, it was a completely different ball game. So this year, the offensive line, the depth in and of itself, should be able to keep whoever we have back there far more upright than last season. That by itself should help quite a bit. We know that the safety position was the deepest position coming in. So is that the X-Factor position? Well, yeah, probably, seeing as how that's part of the 3-3-5 that Brian Nardo is going to be able to implement at Oklahoma State that makes it a little bit different than most. Again, it's the, the nickel type of packaging, but with a Colin Oliver, but with a Kendall Daniels. When you've got guys that big, that physical, that athletic, and now 
both of those being all Americans, they get it at this level and they're much more prepared. But I think one of the X factors that we don't get to talk about enough is fullback. I think this is going to be something that flies under the radar when it comes to an opponent's evaluation stage because it's pretty simplistic to see that we've had Braden Cassidy, a converted defensive end, to tight end, to now fullback. On paper, that looks like you didn't have somebody, so you put him in a spot. And that's realistically what Jason McIndoo's career at Oklahoma State has been, right? I, I think that he's going to have a hand in why the fullbacks are in a really, really good position moving forward. But on top of Braden Cassidy being a convinced converted defensive end the guy behind him jake schultz is also a converted defensive end that also had to fill into that kind of tight end role that is now playing fullback so again on paper you could see a, a, an opposing coach saying well these guys are defensive ends that couldn't play defensive end so oklahoma state just threw them somewhere that made the most sense oklahoma state doesn't have a real fullback we can exploit this and that's maybe what you want because for every opposition that thinks that Braden Cassidy is not a real fullback, they're going to find out soon enough. Um, you know, wide receiver, could it, it's always going to be an X factor to some degree at Oklahoma State. But we're not going to be slinging it around like we used to. So although they play an integral role in the success of the season, on the offensive side of the ball, other than no line, right? That's an easy answer. I think the biggest X factor for me is Coach Jason McIndoo. Yeah, the guy that I didn't think should have a job, I still, if you look at body of work, the dude should not have a job. The only person that he has ever, ever recruited since 2015 at Oklahoma State University that's played tight end at Oklahoma State and actually caught a touchdown is Quentin Stewart, who is number two on the depth chart right now. And that was just last year. And that was just the last two games of the entire season. So before the last two games of last year, his success rate was like um, 5%, 10%. So is it possible that a guy goes from a 10% hit rate to a 90% hit rate in one year? I think so. And again, this is uh, the whole room. I think the whole room's going to play a big, big factor here. This is why I think that his tight end position is going to be the biggest X factor on the offensive side of the ball. I think fullback is also going to be a massive X factor as well. Those are two unforeseen things that opposing coaches are going to look at Oklahoma State and say they don't have these. They haven't had these. And realistically speaking, the first few games, I don't know that we need to put a lot of, of it on film. I don't know that it's a big necessity to show the world right away that we may have some capability at tight end and fullback that nobody in the country is going to see coming. Got to give him props. The dude shouldn't necessarily have a job, but he does. And the simplicity that he now gets to work with focusing on one position is probably going to help him. He's an O-line guy. 
He's an all Pac-10 lineman for Washington State, and then he had a cup of coffee in the NFL with the Seattle Seahawks. He spent 12 seasons at Montana State. He did get uh, assistant coach of the year one of those years. Comes to Oklahoma State, and we're like, hey, you're going to work with tight ends, but we're going to call him a cowboy back because they're going to have a hand in the dirt and block quite a bit. You take an O-line guy that coached O-line, that played O-line, to Oklahoma State, what does he know? O-line. He doesn't probably know a crap ton about the ins and outs of how to work the wide receiver position into the skill set of a tight end. So that is a deficiency that we have for years. I think the the, the perfect marriage with Coach McIndoo and the guys that we have in the tight end room now are, are what's going to allow them to expand a little bit. I mean, heck, guys, we got a tight end that played quarterback his whole life that went to college to play quarterback. You don't think that that's going to help even, even Coach McIndoo? Like, hey, man, you're an expert at this. I'm not an expert at all, but I've seen this done before. I, I, I see how this is the, the tight end drill that translates the most for a quarterback. These conversations are going to be massively beneficial to Coach McIndoo. So he very well should and could go from a 10% hit rate guy to a 90% hit rate guy. I firmly believe it. Defensively, the X factors, we already know what those are. Those are pretty simplistic. And those are what people are going to be talking about. People aren't going to be talking about our depth, for sure. Like opposing coaches, they're not. So linebackers got to be the X factor over there because we didn't see that kind of depth coming into this season. So now that we finally have some linebacker depth, depth that we did not have last year, it should be on full display. And it shouldn't be a scenario where, like, we had Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper on the field 85 90% of the time, all, all the time. We're going to be able to rotate hockey style and make this thing mix and match up and make it all make sense and make it the, the perfect marriage that everybody's looking for. I think the, the safety position is what we're going to lean on. But I do, I do think that the depth at linebacker and I, you could throw a corner in there. You could throw a corner in there. I don't, I don't know that there was a, a large amount of people coming into the season that thought that we were going to have a lot of depth at a couple places that, that we have. And like D-Lyman, D you could say the same thing. We knew Anthony Goodlow was going to be a big-time get for us. We knew we had some guys that were developmental that could possibly get there. But Nathan Latou is, is kind of just gone off the rails of, of awesome sauce. He's got a whole new mindset this year, and he's got new things driving him as well. He's talked about it before. He's talked about that, you know, his brother, when his brother was out at Alabama, one of the things that he would do when he was at Alabama was he would put on, you know, his locker every day, the things that he needed to accomplish. Like what were his, his daily goals, his weekly goals, his monthly goals. And you think maybe something that trivial wouldn't play a massive hand in realistic development, but he's saying it's working. He's talked to his mom about it as well. His mom was one of the ones that helped him suggest it because it worked for his brother at Alabama. It seems to be working here as well for him. You can have all the talent in the world. We all know that. But sometimes you got to find a way to channel it. you got to find a way to bottle it. He seems to have done that recently. So him and Anthony Goodlow look good. Deshaun Brown looks like an absolute man possessed and on a mission to get stuff done. I'm all for it. Before we hop into our main man, Brett, your mark speaking the truth and making people angry in the process, 
I do have to let you all know that in a crunch time scenario, crunch time situation, when you're looking for last minute, last second tickets, game time has arrived. And then the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a multitude of reasons, but you get images of your seat before you buy them. So you know exactly what to expect and when they can arrive and buy the tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, bada bing, bada boom, bada bang. You're all done. You're all set. You're ready to go on your, your experience, your extravaganza. Tickets are sent directly then to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email guys. You know that when it comes to the NFL, I just primarily follow Oklahoma State guys. Well, that's no different. But when I go to the Game Time app right now, I can see that the Rams, which have two Cowboys and Tanner Brown and Jason Taylor II, that are going to be playing the Denver Broncos this weekend, I could get tickets right here, right now, for as little as $32.00. Or if I'm feeling kind of frisky, feeling a little bit bougie, I can go to the 300 Club, sit 19 rows back on the 30-yard line for 550, and I can do it right here, right now, instantaneously. Plus, you know we've got something for you here. You know, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna give you this amazing opportunity and not throw you a bone while we're at it. Game time is fast. It's easy. It's gonna take over everything. You can buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy and theater near you. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word, for 20% off your very first purchase. Terms apply. And again, create that account, redeem your code, LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all one word, for 20% off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, so now we talk about our main man, Brett Yormark. This is great. I was on uh, the Hall of Fame College Football Podcast yesterday, which we're about to talk about in a minute as well for this crazy Saturday event we have going. But anywho, guys, OU fans and Texas fans are up in arms about Brett Yormark. And it's not, I don't think, so much about the comment per se. Ironically enough, I think it seems to be more about the insinuation that all of a sudden Big 12 refs are not going to give OU in Texas any calls anymore. Everybody take a break, take a second, look into my daggone baby blues when I say that this is the dumbest argument I have possibly ever seen from OU and Texas fans ever. There's so many things that you could debate back and forth with OU and Texas fans and have a decent amount of validity to it, regardless of whether it's the 1990 record that seems to be the only numerical value OU fans uh, seem to know. They can throw the number seven in there occasionally. As far as Texas fans are concerned, they want to win all the time. They think they're back all the time, so they talk like they are all the time. And they don't have a, a very good sense of reality. Well, let me help. Let me help them, dear Texas fans. Y'all have been getting the most favorable calls in all of the Big Twelve since 1996. Everybody knows it. Nebraska knows it. Texas A&M knows it. Colorado knows it. Mizzou knows it. Come on now, don't sit here and and act like that because Brett Yormark has the audacity to back the Big 12 and not kowtow to the 
cow town that is Texas, the 40 acres is filled with nothing but hot air and ridiculousness. It always has been. And the Big 12's biggest problem, which is why I don't think we should rebrand or rename, the Big 12's biggest problem has always been Texas. Texas has always wanted their, their hand in the cookie jar before the cookies were even made. And unfortunately, the Big 12 allowed that to happen. The Big 12 also allowed a lot of big-time benefits for OU as well. Not as many as Texas, but OU and Texas were the ones that got to pout and, and whine and cry and throw their weight around, and the Big 12 would cater to them. That was the problem with the Big 12, always and forever. So this idea, right, that they're trying to put out there, all it is, it's setting the stage of the narrative to be built here and now. Before Texas Tech ever even plays Texas, mark it down that no matter what happens, whether Texas Tech wins by three or 33, it will already be pitched. The first headline you will see is Texas loses because of rest. This is what they're setting up, y'all. So if for any reason that Texas and OU don't make it to the Big 12 title game, trust and believe it's going to be because of the refs, the refs, the refs, because Brett, your mark made this improprietary. Get out of here. This is the dumbest argument you could physically possibly make. You should probably stick to the 90-19-7 numbers. Stick to the numbers game. The things that you can memorize, that you can go buy a postcard for at your nearest Walmart, stick with that. That's cool. We're fine with that. But Brett, your mark, having the audacity to say that Texas Tech needs to beat Texas, and Oklahoma State needs to beat OU, is phenomenal. It's great for eyeballs, which is perfect for marketing. This is the biggest ticket item that we have other than Deion Sanders right now. Like, there's no, there's nobody in the Big 12 or beyond that understands the landscape that is legitimately going to have any compassion for the whining and crying of OU and Texas fans. Now, I don't think Gundy needs to get on a microphone talking about, you know, the, the, the not playing Bedlam for whatever reasons. But also, I don't think OU fans should or Texas fans should be hooting and hollering about impropriety. Like, are, are we serious? Do OU fans forget that they're called the Sooners? So they're talking about there's going to be cheating now from the refs. Yeah? from the school who invented cheating. The ones who are Sooners because they arrived sooner than the land run legally allowed. And they yell Boomer because the Boomers were the individuals that stormed the uninhabited lands or the Indian territory. They performed raids. And then they convinced the government to protect the Native Americans from all of these bad raids. They just needed to make it to where the land could be uh, settled. And then they snuck like thieves in the night to go steal land before everybody else. And they chose Norman because there was a railroad that went through it. And some of the people that were responsible for being all the boomers and invading these camps to create a bunch of chaos just to convince the government to protect everybody. You need to allow this land to be settled. Those are the same people that are now trying to cry foul. Your entire history is 100% predicated upon cheating and being really good at it, really sneaky about it, and it working to your advantage. And now 
Now we want to talk about how the Big 12 refs are going to do everybody dirty because Brett Yolmark had the audacity to back the teams in the Big 12 that care, the teams in the Big 12 that matter moving forward the most. The insignificance that you guys must feel in this moment is pretty close to what Greg Sankey must be feeling, which is why he's moving the SEC media days. Oh, you want to give me the, well, they're doing it because OU and Texas are joining. Sure, that's fine. It has nothing to do with the fact that Brett Yormark's killing it, and they're going to be literally right down the road from Big 12 media days. Come on now. Brett Yormark has created the firestorm the Big 12 has never had. We have never been on this side of the coin, ever. We've always been fighting uphill. Now, with the big Super Bowl halftime thing he's got going, with the stuff to Mexico, with the conversations about Rucker Park and Madison Square Garden and the new teams coming in, people are scared of Brett Yolmark, and they should be. Matter of fact, we were talking about that Heartland article the other day about how the, the Big 12 just needs to sit in the corner and know their role, essentially, if it is, in fact, true. Like, you can buy some of that. Like, there's a pretty high probability that some butthurt dude in the SEC offices did, in fact, leak that to somebody. It may just be their, his that one guy's opinion. But you know that that's probably a legitimate thought process. And you also know that the SEC, if it's true, could offer to buy out Oklahoma State's uh, contract in the Big 12 or Kansas State or Texas Tech or TCU, whomever they wanted. They could. They could afford to do that. But I think Brett Yormark has put us in a position, not just Oklahoma State, but the Big 12, that we're in a position to say no. I know some people are going to say, Cody, you're crazy. We need the SEC money. If we get the SEC invite, we're gone. I don't see why we would. There's no need. You can be the king of the hill in the number three conference, and if you go back to the Final Four, you go back to a national title, and God forbid you win one in the next two, three years, come 2026, we won't be making just 30, 40, 45 million a school. We'll have a, a contract for like 65 million a school, maybe even 70 million a school. The Big Ten and the SEC, are they going to get richer? Yeah, sure, at some point in time. But the Big 12, because of Brett Yormark, will be able to get pretty close if we can continue to have success. And this is a perfect marketing move by Brett Yormark. There's going to be more Pac-12 eyeballs on the Big 12 this year more than ever. Well, now it's going to be even more so. There's going to be people that are going to be like, you know what? It's going to be kind of exciting to see what that old Texas Tech club can do against the SEC-bound Longhorns. It's going to be kind of fun to see if those orange and black Cowboys can pull off the last bedlam for the next 8 to 10 years at least. It, the 15-year thing that Gunny threw out, that's ridiculous, guys. Um, I, I do know, I guess, the, like, the, the next eight years, there's contracted out for sure. Anything beyond that, almost conjecture, right? It's like, well, we, we could do this, yada, yada, yada. But Bray Omark is the shot in the arm that nobody expected. I mean, you're not hearing a lot out of Big Ten country, nor necessarily do you need to. They just scooped up Washington and Oregon. Stuff we've been talking about for, I don't know, 10 months, 8 months, something like that. 
It's a good time. It's a good time. You know what else is a good time? Stillwater America. Guys, you've all heard it. Some of you have likely even said it. It's hard to get people to Stillwater. Yeah, I know basketball and wrestling and golf are <clears throat> smaller scale, right? But we get people that are four-star, five-star people to campus quite often. Gundy has been burned by a lot of the five stars that we've been able to get into Stillwater. So I understand some of the reluctancy. Recruiting is done differently in Stillwater. Like if you listen to some recent interviews, people like Justin Wright and, and Anthony Goodlow and Elijah Collins, the common consensus, uh, Leon Johnson III, Arlen Bruce, the common consensus when, when they all talk about why they chose Oklahoma State over other Power Five, big boy teams, I'm not saying Pac-12, okay? I'm saying SEC, Big Ten, Big 12 schools, why they chose Oklahoma State, it was because the continuity in the recruiting staff and the coaching staff was like the biggest. The simplistic nature of Stillwater. You can focus on being a, a, becoming a professional at your craft. There's not a lot of craziness. There's not a lot of distractions. Campus is gorgeous. The people are extremely nice and kind and accommodating and not judgmental. Stillwater offers way more than people want to pretend. Recruits come to Stillwater because of all that it offers. So if you want the glitz and the glamour and the high-rise apartments, you go to USC. That's fine. You can do that. You want the dollar-dollar bills and fun crowds, but little significance, you go to A&M. If you want to get your tail worked all day, every day, and you want to be taught structure and discipline and accountability and leadership. The cowboy culture needed a little bit of an adjustment. It appears it got it. And it also appears that's partially why we were able to grab one of the top transfer classes in the country. And then you're hearing some of the top transfers that we got are backups. I mean, they're backups that will play you know, 30, 40, 50 snaps a game type scenario. But nonetheless, they are, in fact, backups, which means that the guys we had in Stillwater were maybe a little bit better than we anticipated. Maybe we undersold Oklahoma State. I know I did. I know with everything that was actually happening this offseason, like, I didn't know if we were going to take a big enough step to take a big enough step to turn this thing around. But it looks good. It looks good. So we're, we're going to talk about one of the X factors, um, the running back position, and, and what it all entails with Tatum Bell Sunday. Make sure you do not miss that. That's going to be going on live. Okay. We're going to do that live Sunday, as well as tomorrow, the Battle Royale, the Bedlam Royal Rumble. So I did watch the last bit of uh, the Hall 
Fame College Football Podcast from the other day when Trent filled in for me on the Big 12 roundtable thing. And I'd heard, you know, Trent got off the, off the uh, off air that people started throwing a bunch of shade at Oklahoma State. And I did finally listen to it. And there was some lazy, lazy takes. And there was some ridiculous things stated that, you know, you read the front page of the newspaper that everybody regurgitates like it's factual information about Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State and this and that and the other and da-da-da-da-da. It wasn't anything to do with Trent not being on there. It was a little chicken shishishery for them to not say all that stuff with Trent on the show. So to have somebody debate, like, hold on now, what you're saying about Mike Gundy here is true, but this part's not. You know what I mean? So we're going to be able to settle that. Uh, our buddy Jason Sherman was fired up. He was fired up about it. And now I see why. And that the things that Coach Royball said, I'll let, I'll let Jason and Jason kind of hash that out tomorrow. I don't completely disagree. You all know my stance on that. And I do think I'm a pretty good uh, mediator here. I'm also going to invite the two mouth-breathing buffoons that were on, that were saying a bunch of dumb stuff and having the ladies ta- lazy takes, like that Logan guy. Um, I don't know why you got Baylor flags in the back if all you're going to do is suck on the Texas and OU teat, buddy. Uh, and then uh, Coop. You know, he mentioned he worked for ABC. Well, there's a lot of reasons why the traditional legacy media is dying, buddy. But you do you, boo-boo. Hopefully I see you all tomorrow. I know Jason and Jason are going to go at it, and I was just going to sit back and referee. But the, if those other two uh, fellers would like to jump on, it's it's going to be a whale of a time. It's, it's going to be a whale of a time. It's going to be live. It is not going to be PG, just to put that out there. Y'all know I don't curse very often and, and, and all that in my shows because I want the audience to be as big as possible. Everybody, even my kids and some of the kids I coach listen to the show. But this one, Saturday, it's going to be live. It's going to be fiery. Some things will be said that I, I can't contain everything, y'all. All right? But you know I love you. As always, God bless. Go Pokes. And until the next one, I appreciate you stopping and to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. You could be anywhere you choose to be here. I will see y'all tomorrow live to do our kickoff of the season. We're going to be going live Saturdays after the games. So this Saturday, the event with Jason and Jason and possibly the other two guys, it's going to be worth the watch. It's going to be worth you tuning in like it's a football game. I expect it to get pretty pretty fire. We'll, we'll have a legitimate college football, Big 12 landscape type of conversation, too. Like It won't just be bullets flying everywhere. It'll be constructive, but there will be bullets flying. It will get wild. It will get out of hand at some point in time, I feel. And then Sunday, we got the, the legend himself, Tatum Bell. Who better to break down the running back position and some of the things that some of the running backs are currently going through than Tatum Bell with Jason Sherman on with us. So Jason gets back-to-back five shows this Saturday. It's going to get fun. It's going to get interesting as we get geared up for the season. All right, y'all. Later.